0: Welcome to the Reimagining Faith Podcast with the pastors Jackson. This is a podcast for seekers, dreamers, and fellow sojourners who are trying to figure out what it means to be followers of Jesus in the 21st century. This Advent season, if you've been listening to the podcast, we have been moving with a theme that we're doing on Sunday mornings um, called Reflecting the Sacred thinking about different ways that the the sacred is reflected and refracted in our spaces, in our people, in our times, in our, what is next week? I looked no this idea. up. In our knowing, that's what it was. We couldn't figure out um, <laughs> what... Um, so we've been having some conversations with some of our key partners, our Covenant partners, our um, conference representatives. We heard some really interesting and diverse stories, and I'm really excited that our good friend and Covenant partner, Deb Schwartz, has been— Reverend. Reverend. The Deb Reverend Schwartz. Deb Schwartz has—I was debating on whether or not to say that and then uh, save the the big reveal— for, mm. for your storytelling about how you your journey through through faith and through vocation and through all of that but spoiler alert she's very interesting uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler. <alert. laughs>
0: so we're really excited that uh, Deb Schwartz has the Reverend Deb Schwartz has so graciously uh, accepted the invitation to come down into this podcast basement and share a little bit about the ways that she has seen the divine reflected and refracted in her own journey and in the world that she inhabits. So welcome to the podcast oh, okay. basement.
1: <laughs> thank you. It's wonderful be- to be in your podcast basement. <laughs> <laughs> it has been transformed since I was here last.
0: That's right. You were a big help in uh, getting parts of this house set up. So, thank you for all of the many ways that you contribute to our common life together. Yeah.
1: Well, it's I'm happy to be here. I'm actually a little scared but excited to be talking with you. Um I have had a chance to listen to parts of all of the other podcasts that you have done with the other covenant partners and and hearing your own stories and that's been um it's been really neat to get to know both of you and some of the other people that way um and to you know understand everybody a little bit better so I'm happy to share my story with you
0: yeah um, I'm excited so- to hear it. <laughs> So can you tell us a little bit about um, who you are and how you got to this point in your life?
1: Well, and first of all, I also want to say the theme. I love the theme yeah. of the reflecting and refracting um, the sacred. Um, in, in in, let me see if I can remember, in time, in people, and in places, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, when I look back over my story, I could see that when I put it in that framework—the time, the people, and the places—that's mm. that's where I've seen God throughout my story. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, so what do you
2: want to know? <laughs> <laughs> Who, is Who are you, <laughs> Reverend Deborah Schwartz? And I think I even probably butchered your last name there. No,
1: but um, no, my story, like. I'm a very linear person, so I'll start at the beginning. How's that? Sound? Best place to
2: start.
1: <laughs> There's a song
2: like that in 19 so and so. Oh no, we're not saying two years. Two came together.
1: No, no, no. <laughs> Although I do have another story. Like my brother and I are both interested in seeing the very first apartment of our parents who started their life together in California, and I'm going there next spring to see where my life started. So, oh, wow, oh, um, very nice. Anyway, I um, faith journey-wise, I grew up in the Lutheran Church, so my background's a little bit different than um, some of the other stories that I've heard so far. Um, It was my um, maternal grandmother's family church, um, and my whole family was very active there. My mom and my aunt sang in the choir and my grandfather and he and my uncle were on the church council and my grandmother who was kind of um ahead of her time I think you would say she had a a a master's degree in library science she was a librarian but at that time you didn't actually work after you had your family and so she still had that passion and um, interest and would find ways in her life to to be a librarian. So she ch- started a church library, and it was like an actual library with a card catalog and and everything. Good grandma, so, yeah. Oh. Um, so, you know that that was the the start of my faith life. I guess was in that l- little church, and um, that's where I grew up and. <sighs> You know, it was kind of like the framework and the foundation for my life, but it wasn't something we talked about. Like we didn't mm. talk about our faith. We didn't. Um, we didn't have to memorize scripture or anything like that. It was just like part of our life and what we did. Um, and I think there was a sense of security there, um, and like belonging. Like I have fond memories of being a part of that church. I didn't think about this until I, like, you know, when you're in seminary, you always have to tell your faith journey and, you yep. know, kind of add to yep. it along the way. Um, <laughs> and um, okay. I didn't think about this until, like, looking back. But um, there were moments where I was always kind of drawn to the sacred, although mm. I would have never guessed in a million years I would become a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be a doctor, and so that's what I was focused oh, on okay. from, like, uh, junior high on I volunteered at the hospital and my friend and I would practice writing our names sloppy so we could be doctors, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's adorable. That is
2: so adorable.
1: But, but um uh like I remember times like I would beg my one time I begged my mom to go to church during Lent and she didn't want me to go because I'd have to sit by myself because all the other adults were Involved in other stuff and weren't going to be sitting in the congregation, but I persisted, and and um, she finally relented, and I got to like sit there. And I remember sitting there by myself, and this was like a big deal. I don't remember how old I was, maybe like eight. I don't know. Oops. Um, and just like I couldn't have articulated, it, but just like the sense of the holy. Being mm. like, I was just really happy to be in that space. And there was another time that my grandmother, for some reason, had a lectern in her living room, and I think there was Bible As on do it. Do most yeah. families yeah. like <laughs> absolutely no? Um, it was one of her books. I don't know. She had a Bible on it, um, <laughs> and I remember pulling that thing out and like reading the scripture to an imaginary congregation. It wasn't Aww. preaching, but I was reading the scripture. <laughs> you know, just like. Stuff like that. So I was like, I wouldn't have articulated it and I wouldn't have said I was interested in Mm -hmm. that per se, but that draw to the sacred was always kind of there. I went to college then. Feel free to interrupt and ask questions.
0: (laughs) No, Um, I'm liking the linearness of it. Oh, great. Okay.
1: (laughs) Um, I went to college and... um, I was pre-med. I was I majored in biology and um, was working toward that. I mean, I loved all my classes and stuff. I was always a nerd. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I was one week go to like socialize with my aunt and uncle and cousins on the weekend and and um, the adults would be socializing, the kids would be playing and I'd be like, I brought my chemistry book. I'm just gonna sit here and read that. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: Oh, the news I will love inherit it. the earth. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, but when I got to college, um, so I, I also played field hockey, and I wasn't very good, but I enjoyed it. And um, I met a friend in my first week there who was also on the on the hockey team, and she was very influential in my kind of in my faith story. And I don't think I've ever told her that. So Jill, if you're listening, <laughs> oh. surprise. Shout yeah. out to Jill. <clears throat> yeah. Um, She was from the Church of the Brethren. Um, and the college I went to um, was a Church of the Brethren college. And that's one of the historic peace churches, um, along with the Mennonites, uh, well, the Yeah, Mennonites and the Quakers, yeah. And so here, you know, I met this um, person who, well, she she could articulate her faith for one thing, and I can say more about that later, but her family lived their faith. I don't know how else to describe it. Mm -hmm. It's not like my family didn't, Mm -hmm. but we didn't talk we couldn't articulate it and um they were very intentional in how they lived their faith like her grandfather was part of habitat for humanity and uh, like participated in that and i'm like wow that's really cool you know i had not heard of something like that and her parents would have like all the college kids like there on the sleeping on the floor on the weekends and so the like the hospitality and the that uh, life of service and the also um was really inspiring to me. And then um, also, as I said, they this is one of the peace churches. So they were pacifists and they, you know, they would talk about, not actually, but, you know, the beating the swords into plowshares thing. And I came from a military family. And I didn't mention this with my childhood, but my dad was killed in Vietnam when I was three. His father was killed in World War II. Um, my great grandfather was like head of a uh, military hospital in France during World War One. In fact, they they invited the family back um, at the hundredth anniversary of the end of World War One to like honor him. <laughs> wow! Um, and so, like, I came from this military family, at, and it involved, you know tragedy and death and... Multiple generations. Yeah, multiple oh. generations and, like, glorifying military service. And and so I, I encountered this friend who's, who was a pacifist, right? And I'm like, <laughs> what do you do with that, you know? Yeah. Um, so it was this, like, clash of ideas and not, like, my ideas against her ideas, but it just... Um, it, it, It was like a crack, you know, it was a, um, wow, like maybe I should be a pacifist. And I spent a lot of time thinking about that and wrestling with that like years, like even to the point of seminary, which was 20 years later, I was still like, and I still think about that. Like I came finally to the point of, no, I don't think I can be a pacifist because there's bullies in the world and you have to stand up to them. But it really caused me to think and it really about things in a new way. And and that had to do with my faith too. She also had a sister who was studying in Germany and um, we wrote letters at that time. So <laughs> she would write letters home and my friend would share the letters in our German class. And um, I found myself thinking, I have to do this. I need to go to Germany. I want to live there. And um, hmm. that wasn't part of my plan. <laughs> <laughs> So, um so I did. I, I eventually went and did that. And that was um, my junior year. And um, my friend also happened to study there for that year. And so that was a life-changing experience. Mm. Um, you spent the whole year there. I spent a whole year there. Wow. Um, and I mean... I won't go into it, all of it but like it really was a life-changing experience. I still think reflect back on that time. In fact, when I really have times when I'm thinking about Wanting to center myself, I have a I have a pottery mug from the place, the city where I mm. studied, and it's like okay, this is my Germany mug. We're gonna like, mm. you know, it, it is meaningful. Um.
2: Anyway, mugs as as sacred items. Sacred mug. Oh yeah. I, um,
0: yeah. I, on your way out, you should. I have a problem. I have a mug kitchen. problem actually. Problem. So <laughs> we'll sh- we'll
2: show you our cabinet and maybe even the extra box of mugs that we have. Mm. Okay, I'm not alone later. in my. I'm a... We like mugs. <laughs> yeah. We like the, mugs.
0: The very personal totems, almost. They are. They tell stories. Yeah.
2: Yes. Exactly. Exactly. There's exactly. A kind of magic to them. The the mugs that say Chicago on them are about a trip that we in took. which
0: we went to f- like four different Starbucks on Michigan Avenue <laughs> to find one that we liked. <laughs>
2: Uh, right. Anyway, off topic. <laughs> Not really. Mugs as sacred items. There we go. Fair, fair. Um,
0: this is my travel mug. <clears throat> space mug. It says travel mug and it has a picture of the solar system and it says you are here, pointing to the Earth. <laughs> you are <you>. here. <laughs> in case that you was, forget, that was from. My, well,
1: that can ground and center you. Too. My
0: travels um, in yeah. the solar system.
1: So, <laughs> so wow. Um, but there was a. There was a. Um, a moment a faith moment during that year that I wanted to share too. And that was, um, um, we had these conversation groups and it was for learning German, but it was like half Americans and half Germans. And we would get together in cafes and um, drink coffee and eat cake and have conversation. And um, and one time, one of the Germans um, who are real open about talking with stuff more directly than we normally do, I think, um, asked my friend, knowing um, that she was part of this Peace Church thing. Um, what do you believe? And, and what does your church believe? And she could tell them. And I was shocked mm-hmm. because that wasn't my experience. We didn't articulate our faith. And so, um, first of all, I was like, oh, thank goodness he didn't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but then also, like, that was... That was like an aha moment for me. It was, a, uh, what do I believe? And that started me like um, exploring. Um, I liked to read. So I went to the library and I got books and I was, you know, reading things. And I wrote home to my pastor and said, you know, what does United you know, Church of Christ believe? Because by then we were um, UCC, which is a whole other story. But um, uh I was excited when I got his re- response and so disappointed when I opened the envelope because what he sent me was the Apostles' Creed. And I was Ugh. like, really? Oh, okay.
2: <laughs>
1: you know, and um, mm. so, but that, that got me exploring and questioning and um, having conversations and reading things. And that was like a definitive moment in kind of my growing up in faith. And I think it was you, Zach. Did you talk? One of you talked about like stages of faith. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, that was the kind of the age when I was around 20 when I was like starting to make the faith my own, I think. Mm. And so, one of the things that's really important to me now, even, and one of the reasons I love working with confirmation classes is some kids, some are still just swallowing whole what they're taught right but the the questions i love questioning and you know wrestling with doubts and you know yeah that kind of thing
0: they have such good questions don't they yeah age yeah they're still not embarrassed because like adults are like oh i should know this by now i can't ask but not then
2: I had an adult do confirmation with one of my younger comp- confirmands, and it was the most beautiful process because it was like, you know what? Like, I, I did confirmation when I was in, like, eighth grade, but, like, it didn't really mean a whole lot to me at that point, and I'd really like to explore some of these questions. And so they did it together. So it was, like, this eighth grader and this, like, 40-year-old woman, and it was beautiful because— she had other questions that the that the younger one didn't, but they could like support each other and one could speak from experience, one could speak from unfettered curiosity. Um, mm. and it's really beautiful.
1: Yeah, I, I'm getting ahead of myself, but one of my favorite things with confirmation class was I used a mentoring program. So we mm. always had the kids and an adult paired, and it was awesome mm. to see. Yeah. Um but I wasn't thinking of being a pastor at that
2: time.
1: Just for a second, I'm going to interrupt.
2: Um, For those of you who are not familiar with the term confirmation, um, that is a process of faith formation that um, a lot of uh, churches use for middle school, early high school, Um, you know, could be earlier, could be later. But uh, um, at least in the UCC tradition, it is something that, um, we intentionally do with with younger people, Young, younger to, teens, yeah. younger
0: teens. To usually somebody who was baptized as an infant right. before they had the wherewithal to decide if that's something they really wanted to do. Right. Um, then we <clears throat> then we do confirmation so that they can choose to affirm that baptism right. or be like, you know, thanks but no thanks.
2: And in the ideal world, they really do get that choice. <laughs> when you grow up in the church, sometimes it's like, oh, no, you will be confirmed. Um, but I think what you're talking to is this actual exploration, this actual, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I just recognize that that might not be yeah, familiar thank you. for everyone. Yeah, that's
1: true. Good point. Yeah. Um, but I, when I came home from Germany then, I was like, I, I don't think I want to be a doctor. So... I had to figure out what to do with biology degree. And I ended up um, deciding that working in a hospital lab would be the best fit for me. Hmm. And so um, that's what I did. I got training for that. Ended up working in the lab for uh, like 20 years. Um, but somewhere along the line, uh, and I and I got married and had a couple of kids too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot happens in 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> Life, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um But after my youngest was born, I started experiencing a call to ministry, Mm. and I really resisted it for a long time. Mm. (laughs) But um, I did end up going to seminary, and my kids were four and seven when I started, three and six, somewhere around there. Wow. And so it took me seven years to get through. I took two courses at a time. Um, I look back and think, how did I do that? I'm really not sure, but I I did it, you know. Um, We did it. Yeah, so I ended up, um, I served two churches over a period of 14 years. Um, I'm really Hmm. fast forward skipping here, but.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have found that when you're telling your story, like, you're in and out, up and down, back and forth. Like it. That's how it happens when you tell your story. That is true. Remind my linear self of that. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Same.
0: <laughs> first things first, but not necessarily in that order. Right.
1: But they all kind of fit together somehow. Right. Um Yeah, so I um graduated from seminary and I and I served in two different churches. Um and you know, I I loved the people that I was with. I learned you know, I think sometimes different things about different ages, but there were some of my shut-ins that I would visit, and I felt like I was sitting at the feet of Jesus, mm. you know, not always, of course, but like there were there were um, you know people that just shared such wisdom and um amazing stories and and yeah, um but I always like during the first um church that I served, I started to feel restless and um exhausted and this desire to follow Jesus into the world hmm. um, and I ended up taking um, a sabbatical um which was amazing. I highly <laughs> recommend that <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> um and I, what I did during that sabbatical was um, my daughter and I walked the Camino de Santiago in Spain, wow. which is uh, an ancient pilgrimage path. It's been walked for a thousand years. Um, it's 500 miles across Spain. And I needed to find, um, which is amazing in itself, but I needed to find something. So when pastors take sabbatical, you have to do something.
0: Um, which is the opposite of what
1: the
2: word means right, right right so
1: i had to find something i could do that was that also helped me rest and renew and i haven't talked about being contemplative but i i need to like one of the things that got me hearing the call to ministry was this prayer life that developed somehow i don't know how but like i ended up, I remember thinking like, oh, I don't know how to pray. So I'm going to learn how to pray. So um, (laughs) I set a timer, a kitchen timer for five minutes. And I thought, okay, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to pray for five minutes. And then I won't have to worry about the timing. And eventually like got longer and longer and longer. And it's not like you can do this or even make this happen, but like I would be able to come to a place where there weren't any words. And Mm. I would just feel this connection with God and with people like all people and creation and like mm-hmm. it was just incredible and you can't you can't you can't make the experience it just happens sometimes you know mm-hmm. um, but I found in um, w- what I needed to do my ministry was to have these times of contemplation and that's where my best stuff came out of you know and mm-hmm. um, but in the practice of ministry, they're really, you have to work really hard. And I think you know this. You have to work really hard to create those times, to make those times, because otherwise you're just flying from one thing to the next. And um, and I used to call it being um, stoned to death by pebbles, <laughs> you know, like a million little things thrown at you that are really important to people, but like... Yeah,
2: um, sometimes feel like a st- distraction. So um, sometimes they come so fast that you can't like catch them.
1: Catch them or decide which is most what needs to be dealt with now and what can be left to go, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was part of my exhaustion was like I'm trying to do this work that for me, like the preaching and stuff. Um, comes out of that deep place. So I would need to go to the depths to see what's there and then like scuba diving, come back up to the surface slow enough that I could look around and see um, mm. how it could, how other people could relate to what I found um, in a way that they're not looking at me like I have two heads, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> mm. sometimes I was effective at that, you know, from what I hear <laughs> from people. Um, but that takes a lot of energy. And so that was part of my exhaustion was... Being doing this work that came out of this deep place, but not having time to be in the deep place. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's important to know when it, I'm talking about sabbatical was I needed that. Mm-hmm. I needed that deep reconnection. And so walking this 500 miles with my daughter, who is also an off the chart introvert like me, <laughs> um, we could just walk and not talk and just think and then share our insights every once in a while, you know, unless one of us said, stop, <laughs> you're, you're bothering my thinking, you know, <laughs> and we got each other. So we were okay. <laughs> um, but so I did have like on that walk, I like did feel a deeper connection with God and like, like trust kind of came back where it was, I was losing that. And there was one experience in particular, and there were lots of spiritual experiences along the way, but one in particular, we went in this church, this darkened cathedral in this little town called Viana, I think was the name of it. And we walked through all kinds of towns and I don't remember the names of most of them, but I remember this town. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was darkened and there was Gregorian chant playing and I was like wandering around Sanctuary. I heard this song, music and it was very moving to me. And I sat down in a pew with my backpack and um, I was just overcome with emotion. And it was the sense of Jesus' presence. And um, thankful it was dark. <laughs> we could see the tears running down my face. <laughs> and um, I um, got a sense in that cathedral of Jesus reminding me that my call was like, that was the only spiritual experience on that whole journey that was inside the church. And that my call was still inside the church, like mm. physically, literally inside the church, you know? Um, so I came back and, um, stayed in the church and, um, ended up not long after that gone to my, my next congregation. And that was a wonderful, joyful ministry, and, and then the pandemic hit. <laughs> um, yeah. And and that was hard, like everybody, for everybody, you know, it wasn't just me and it wasn't just that church and it wasn't just church, you know, it was hard for everybody. Um, but I found myself again at a kind of restless, exhausted and desiring to follow Jesus in the place in into the world place. Hmm. Um, and then... <laughs> <laughs> Man. Um You know, in, in thinking about this whole journey, when I put all the pieces together, I had kind of a pivot moment. Like my, I'm going to Germany, and I didn't think I was ever going to do that kind of thing. And it, hmm. so, so then, you know, I got to a point where um, I was like, "This is no way to live. I can't live like this anymore." And um. Started actually looking into what it would be like to not live like this anymore, Mm -hmm. and uh, long story short, I ended up getting my old job back (laughs) in the lab. And um, the moment I allowed myself to entertain that thought of this is no way to live, um, and what would it look like to live differently, the that with literally within five minutes. I had this whole vision of church given to me that was completely <laughs> different. And it was um it was I, I actually wrote this down and I wanna please, yeah, please. um Okay, it was this is it. Um it was um outside the walls of the building, it was the people, not the building. It was truly Sabbath, even for the leaders, because the ministry was shared.
2: Hmm.
1: And it was following Jesus into the world. It was like, I mean, there were specific details to it, but Hmm. it was all those things. And that was within, literally within five minutes of me saying, this is no way to live.
2: Interesting.
1: Yeah. So, you know, over the last year... (laughs) Um, certainly I've become part of open table and I do see some of those things there, you know, uh, and my church in my, my, this is my vision. So it can be what I want. Right. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was called, it had a name. Mm. Um, it was called church for recovering pastors. <laughs>
0: <laughs> recovering pastors. We have a few of those actually. <laughs> well,
1: and so, you know, like, um, I <laughs> open table is certainly not the church for recovering pastors it's you know for <laughs> not just for pastors right mm-hmm. um but it is a place for me to find respite and mm-hmm. and to be able to just be as I'm discerning you know what what is god doing so you know i'm kind of in a place of i don't know <laughs> you know mm-hmm. um and okay with that trying to be patient with that
2: um it's Trying to be patient is is a nearly impossible task.
1: Yeah, but you know what? I think over like through different parts of my journey, I've learned that part of me went to seminary because i wanted i i uh, I was at a bible study and the pastor like got a book out of office to answer a question and i was like "Ooh, if i went to seminary i could know stuff like that you know (laughs) yeah i could have (laughs) books exactly um and i've since learned i'm a type five enneagram so in the on the enneagram so it makes perfect sense but
0: (laughs) yeah we should do a Um, whole series on that soon yeah Yeah. just wrote a note about that earlier while we were talking, to do an Enneagram series. There you go.
1: Um, but but I, but one of the things I learned in seminary, of course, was I, I, I came away with more questions than answers, and I learned to be um, okay in the mystery. And so, like, when I was on the Camino, that was a time of learning to be okay in the mystery, and now is a time of learning to be okay in the mystery. Like, um, now is just a time to just be you know, I don't know. I I, I worry. <laughs> am I turning my back on parish mi- parish ministry? Is like, is that the end? I don't want it to be. You know, mm-hmm. am I taking a break? Maybe, or is God doing something new? And I don't know what that is and what my ministry is going to look like. And so I'm grateful to have a place where it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to wrestle with things. It's okay to just be. You know. Hmm. Yes. So that's my story. <laughs> yeah, I
0: resonate so much with it. I got to say, I, I, I self-define as a scientifically-minded Christian mystic, and I feel like you just explained all of that in, in, in that time that you shared, the, the linear thinking, the analytical mind, the desire to learn, to read, to figure out problems, but also to create open space in the midst of that for the unexpected for the unknowable for the sacred sacred, sacred Yeah, in the midst of, of that to the even the unexplainable but the things that that just answer the questions you didn't know you had in ways that you can't tell other people but that you yourself understand and,
1: and you can live in ways that you can like I'm finding in the lab now I'm, I went back to the lab with a pastor's heart right and hmm. so um it's very concrete work and it's holy work. Like here I am like mm-hmm. you know a- a- helping a- assisting doctors in, you know, healing people. So I take that seriously, but it's also it's very concrete. It's right there in front of you. You you touch it, you see it, you you know, I don't know. Yeah. Like <laughs> Yeah, it's both. <laughs> yeah. I I said recently, and you commented on this when I I posted something, I don't remember what on Facebook. And I said, I feel like sometimes in the lab, I feel like um, a monk peeling (laughs) potatoes. Yes. Because it's this like very concrete thing and yet it's holy and there's like so much more there, you know, and like it grounds me.
0: Yes. Yes, I remember that. I remember reading that and being like, this is why Deb needs to be on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't think she has important things to say, but this is so important.
1: Or why people look at me like I have two heads. But, you
2: know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure what question I'm going to ask you in in this. So maybe you can help me form the question as well as the answer. <clears throat> when you were talking about your time in Germany, you mentioned that that was a life-changing experience. And you gave one example, but I wonder like, was that moment, what was life-changing or was it like, what about that year shifted for you? Yeah, it was a whole
1: experience. Um, I think it was, I would say it was um, taking me out of a place that was familiar into a place um that was unfamiliar. Like, Mm -hmm. and that has to do with the mystery too. Like I, I I would have never thought of it, but it takes courage to do something like that. Mm -hmm. And that's given me courage in my life to try things and go places that I never thought I would have. Um, It certainly changed the trajectory of my life when I oh, I'm gonna be a doctor and then I was like nope I'm I'm gonna do something else it even changed the future he might say I mean my I I swore when I was there I was 20 years old I'm gonna go back even if it's in 20 years which is a lifetime right mm-hmm. um, and I did take my kids back um, mm-hmm. it was close to 20 I'm like it's almost 20 years we got to go and so I took them I wanted to like that light that little spark of of um, understand it helps you it helped me understand myself in the in the broader world
2: Mm, yeah
1: it helped me understand like look at myself more critically in my life and even you know what it means to be an American when you're not centered on America (laughs) Mm. Um, and um, like I think I, I have a passion for like working with immigrants and refugees for some reason and I can't figure it out like why but it's certainly that's part of it because I understood myself as I was the one who was different you know and mm. um so it just gave me a different perspective um but my so I took my kids to Germany when it was close to 20 years for me and um I lit a bonfire in my daughter and she ended up becoming a German teacher and now mm. oh, <laughs> and wow has, has lived there two different years in her life and you know it So you never know what your experience is, how they're going to affect.
2: So that is a very sacred place, like a very sacred space. A country can be a sacred space, but like a place of... I would say more the experience than the... Yeah. Yeah. Like a a place of pilgrimage almost. Yeah. 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 So we have a couple minutes left and um, two of the questions... Well, you've pretty much answered the question, um, where have you seen the sacred? Where have you... I think you've definitely answered that question. But where do you see the sacred being reflected or refracted now?
1: I don't know. Because I'm still... I'm still like... I'm in that place of... Of I don't know. And I'm looking or trying to find time and space to look around and see. Mm. Um, But certainly an open table and and I'm not saying that just because I'm sitting here talking with you like I see um I applaud your courage in like stepping out in faith to do this thing you know and I in that you know what is God doing right now I don't think any of us really knows Hmm. um and and yet we know God's doing something so like so it's in Things like that, um in you know you know, I even think about being out in the community, and that's one of the things that's really important at open table, but even beyond like Pottstown, in my own life, where am I located? I'm located in the lab, so I look around there and mm. you know, listening to people and 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 even like neighbors who would come to me who are marginally churched, and they're like can you do this funeral because I don't have anybody else to do it. Like, Mm. so the whole idea that God is out, Jesus is out there in the world and we just need to look around and, and see where that is. So, you know, it's beautiful.
0: Yeah. Thank you for being open to that, Um, for that work in the world, for seeing the world the way that you do and sharing that with us today. And, every time that we get to talk. Mm. Um, thank you for being a part of Open Table and for making me feel less crazy.
2: Uh, <laughs> you're, both you're, crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're both crazy. You're both crazy. No, I'm just <laughs> I mean, not really. That's, That's the yeah. best way to be. Come on. <laughs>
0: yeah. A, 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 a kind of crazy. That's fine mm. with me, I guess. Um, but thank you for spending the last 45 minutes with us and being open and vulnerable. And I know it's been helpful to somebody out there.
1: Well, I hope so, and thank you.